Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. Well, good morning. It's great to see you all again as we continue on with our um, sermon series on mission. Um, you know, mission mission has to do with purpose, and it has to do with with intention, and it has to do with the uh, why we do what we do, why we exist. Uh, this series called On Mission is why we exist as a church. Um, but every organization has a mission, has an in- intention, uh, a reason why they exist, why they compete. Um, just this morning, we had uh, we had the Rugby World Cup. And all the New Zealanders are a bit in mourning because when you're when you don't accomplish the mission you set out for, you know, it's sad. Um, and then all the South Africans are excited; they're rejoicing because mission accomplished, right? And for Armand and Angela, their marriage is growing. <laughs> one from New Zealand, one from South Africa. Um, but um, for those of you who are don't know about rugby, it's uh, it's a great game. And they had their World Cup every how many years? Every every four years, like the Olympics or something. But um, and so this morning they had the the finals, uh, and so these guys who've been training for four years and their intention has been to win the World Cup, and to come all that way and then fall short. It just it can be devastating. Uh, and but imagine how much more in life. You live your life, and and then you you come to realization that you have missed your purpose. And that you've fallen short of what you were created for and why you were here. For some of us, we don't even know why we're here. We're just kind of living life and sort of consuming paychecks and uh, taking up space, uh, trying to accumulate stuff. Um, but you know, you are placed on earth with a purpose for a purpose. And although in this series our main focus isn't personal life purpose, we will touch upon it yeah, each week. A little bit about your life purpose and uh, and because our main focus is for us as a church what is our purpose why 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 does this church exist what are we here for what are we trying to accomplish because we don't want to come uh, to the end and, and uh, of, of life and say wow you know we we had a church and we did some stuff but we missed what our purpose was the reason why this church existed and, and we also understand from the scriptures that for all of us who are called to be a part of this church, that in the purpose of the church, we also find our purpose. Because there's a connection. The Bible says that God places people in churches according to His pleasure. I know we kind of have a consumer mentality so often I, I pick and go to the church of my choice. But the truth is God has an intention and a purpose and, and, uh, for you. Uh, and, and he has a church, a place in a church specifically designed that's going to help you to align with your life purposes as well as helping that church accomplish its purposes. And so we always say, you know, we're not in competition with the other churches here in Taipei. Uh, we're all on the same team. And if you belong here, great, come on in and join. And if you don't belong here, let's help you find the church that you belong in because then some churches is missing a part of their team. And, uh, and we, we want every church to win, just like we want every person to win in life, to accomplish what they were put on this uh, earth for. Okay, and so, uh, so this, I'm really excited about this series on mission. Uh, we've talked, and we're going through it just based on us as a church. We're also part of a larger global family called uh, Every Nation. So we're Every Nation Taipei, and, and our, our global family has a mission. And so our mission comes from being a part of the global family's mission which comes from a, a part of being god's overall mission because god has a mission and an intent a, intention for creation for humanity for this world and the only reason why we as a church or we as individuals have a mission is because god has a mission and as part of his creation god's intention is that we would be a part of his mission and so we're not out here just trying to make up our own mission we're here really saying, God, what's our assignment in, in your overall plan? Because there's no greater joy, really, than being a part of a team and on mission together and recognizing I'm on the right team and we're on the right mission 
and we're working together to accomplish it. Even in individual sports, you take, take a, golf, a sport like golf where it's kind of individually out there playing by yourself. But sort of the highlight of the year is, is, are, are the, the few competitions where they play by teams. Uh, U.S. versus Europe in the Ryder Cup is something that, that so many golfers, professional golfers say that's the highlight, uh, that's the highlight of, of, of our career. We want to be a part of the Ryder Cup because there's just something different. Uh, a lot of athletes will say that the Olympics where you're competing for your nation is the, like the pinnacle. Uh, of, of, of competition. And so as a church, we want to create that same sense of you understanding what the mission is and finding your place in it. And so we're walking through this on mission. Um, we want you to make sure that you um, are equipped and ready. And that's part of why we have uh, the Making Disciples course. It's equipping you to be a part of this mission. Our goal is not to have a few players and a bunch of spectators, but for everybody to, to be a part and to feel equipped to play. You know, when you come in with the wrong equipment, uh, it just can be painful. And, it's, uh, you know, and it makes you want to withdraw. Uh, yesterday we were at Leofu. Uh, I had on a t-shirt and it was a lot colder than t-shirt weather. And, uh, and, and it just, it made it a less fun than it could have been, you know, because I'm out there freezing and I put on a second shirt. And, um, but, um, you know, we want to make sure that when, as, as you are entering in and jumping in with us, that you're equipped to be a part of what we're doing. All right, so here we go. On mission. I think we have our, our slides. So here's the mission statement for every nation. It says, We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. So we've talked about what it means to, to exist to honor God and what it means to be Christ-centered. And today we're going to be looking at what it means to be spirit-empowered. So a quick overview of this of today's sermon spirit empowered what does it mean to be spirit empowered what it, why is it important to be spirit empowered and how do we become spirit empowered so if you're following along um you can that's uh that's where we're going all right um our key scripture for today is acts chapter 1 verse 8 this is jesus talking and he says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are, are grateful that you've created us and made us on purpose as individuals and as a church. And today as we look into your word, God, and we, we, we understand that your intention for us is that we would live lives empowered by your Spirit and that we'd be a church empowered by your Holy Spirit. Father, may, may you unpack that for us and, and open it up to us from, from your Word. And so today, Lord God, we, we just take a moment and we open our hearts to your Holy Spirit. We pray that um, you would remove every impediment to listening and to receiving what you want to say to us. And God, our prayer is that, um, that today's uh, sermon wouldn't just be information or inspiration, but once again, uh, it would be words of life that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every one of our hearts. That each of us individually, you'd say to us what we need to hear. And that as you speak to us, um, words of life, that our lives would be transformed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at what it means to be Spirit-empowered. What does it mean to be Spirit-empowered? Well, it's interesting when you start talking about um, being Spirit-empowered, uh, immediately there's kind of a, um, a response to that, that that a lot of Christians have. Um, and, and what the Scripture says is that um, when, when you're Spirit-empowered, let's go back to this Acts chapter 1, verse 8, um, it says that, that the, the, the Spirit will come upon you and then you will be empowered to be witnesses. Okay, so, so being empowered by the Spirit is God's intention for every single one of us. And the Scripture says, says this in chapter 5, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What that means is that when the Spirit comes, is, is on us, or the reason why God gave us His Holy Spirit, the reason why the Holy Spirit is a part of our lives is, number one, to, to live by the Spirit, but also keep in step with the Spirit. What does that mean? It, it means that 
uh, we live experiential that we keep in step with the spirit there's a there's an experience to walking with the spirit the spirit means for us to, to as we walk with him it means for us to live our lives with the holy spirit involved and us following him and being in step with him so it's not just intellect but but it also is the bible says we live by the spirit in other words there is an understanding of where the spirit's going and how we engage with the spirit so it's both experience focused and intellect focused and so often when we talk about the holy spirit we tend to sway to one end or the other and we think the holy spirit and having the holy spirit is all about experience and it's all about what i feel and it's all about what i walk through and I just want to have more sense of the Spirit and, and, and more experiences with the Spirit. And yes, experiences is important. God put us on this earth to experience, to have experiences. And we have this sense of experience in life because God experiences and His intention for us is to experience the world. And that's why we, we have things like beauty and we have things like flavors we have things like beautiful uh, aromas that we smell. It was because God created us to experience the world. And so in the same way, we're created to experience God and experience His Spirit. But also, on the other side, there's, there's an understanding of the Spirit. And so it's not just throwing out the understanding of the Spirit, the Word of God that teaches us and gives us the principles and the understanding and, and gives us knowledge about the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that it's both. We have to be fully focused on what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? How do we understand the Holy Spirit? And we engage our brains. That's why God gave us brains. To use them, to think, to understand, to study. But then also God gave us emotions and gave us to put a spirit inside of us so we can experience the spirit of God. And so the fullness of, of experiencing the spirit, experiencing the power of the spirit is to have our minds fully engaged in understanding and our, our spirits uh, and, and our emotions fully engaged in experiencing the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's part of what it means to be spirit empowered, is to have both experience and our and intellect. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So we embrace reliance and we embrace relationship. If we live by the spirit, there's a reliance on the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be Spirit-empowered. We, we rely on the Spirit to guide us. We rely on the Spirit to strengthen us and to help us, to guide us, to, to live the life that God intends for us to live. We can't live it actually without the Spirit of God. You know, it doesn't matter how smart we are. It doesn't matter how creative we are. It doesn't matter how good a plan we have for our lives or for this church. It doesn't matter how enthusiastic we are and how many people we have volunteering in the end to accomplish what god's intends for us as individuals and as a church to accomplish we need the power of the holy spirit otherwise we'll always live and we'll always always experience life somewhere less than god's intention for us we'll never experience the fullness of life as god intended it without experiencing and not living by the holy spirit but we also need to keep in step with the spirit and what, what does that mean we embrace relationship with the spirit keeping in step means being connected relationally with it's not just a physically keeping in step but being in step with the holy spirit means we start to think like the holy spirit thinks we start to feel like the holy spirit feels when we look at people and relationships that we have, we start to see people the way the Holy Spirit sees them. When we think about circumstances we, uh, in, in, in our lives, in the city around us, in the world around us, we start to see it through the perspective of the Holy Spirit rather than just through our own intellect or through all the different perspectives that we get from the world around us. That's what it means to embrace relationship, to walk in step with 
the Spirit of God. So when you start thinking about your family, your friends, your co-workers, you start saying, why, God, why did you put me in this company? Why did you put me in this work team, in this classroom, in these friendships? Because we all have our own desires that we stir up, that we think are good. The reasons why we think we're in this relationship, the things that we think will benefit us. But if we're going to walk with the Spirit, then we need to embrace the Holy Spirit's perspective and what He thinks about those relationships. That's what it means to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and a little clue, if you and the Holy Spirit, um, if there's a difference or disagreement between your perspectives on a relationship or on uh, a, a circumstance either in your life or in the world around you, um, it's the Holy Spirit that's correct. <laughs> just and, and your life's going to go better if you just align yourself with His perspective rather than trying to get Him to bless your perspective. Okay, so that's, that's for free. There we go. And here's some books that you can read that, that are, are great um, and, and start to, to show us, help us to understand the Holy Spirit because the, the truth is in, in the Christian church so often... Um, we, we've, we've just kind of ignored the Holy Spirit because it's kind of, we, we see people who are like all into the experience of the Holy Spirit and it starts to feel kind of weird and, and then they do things that we just really can't understand and we see God doing things that are outside the realm of our experience and we thought, well, that's kind of weird. Or, or we see others who are just so knowledgeable and we just think, well, I don't have that kind of time to know that much and understand everything about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when, when people just get the knowledge of Scripture and all the rules, it starts to get kind of harsh because we're just built on rules and we're, we're, we're just we're, we have the word of God without the, the grace and the love of God and so then we start to, to oh I don't want to be in that camp and I don't want to be in that camp and so I just don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit you know some of you here right now today as I'm, I'm talking you're thinking Holy Spirit oh no we're going to be one of those weird charismatic churches that just does you know goes all crazy and does crazy things you know and, and some of you others are thinking oh, okay you know about time you finally start talking about the Holy Spirit more and get us on track with you know having the power of the Holy Spirit and experiencing God in our services but we wanted to come into a right balance of understanding who, who the Holy Spirit is and so here's some books that in my life have helped me unpack um, the Holy Spirit uh, understanding the Holy Spirit because we're you know in in um, a short sermon like this we, we can't go too in depth but if you want to know more Forgotten God by Francis Chan is a great book on the Holy Spirit and he just talks about how it's so easy to how at, at the, as a church as churches we have so forgotten God and so kind of neglected God and put him on the sidelines and, and the Holy Spirit his role in our lives and so it says this, that this, the tagline is reversing our, our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so a lot of times we, we go into churches and, and we live our lives and it seems so far below what we read in the scriptures or what we hear about other churches happening, uh, having because we've neglected that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Another one, Jack, they're surprised by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and just talking about discovering how God speaks and heals today. And, and uh, it's funny because I grew up in a, in a church with a lot of healing. Uh, we saw a lot of miracles in the church I grew up in. But I got to a, a stage in my life where I didn't see a lot of miracles happening. And you kind of just forget about it. And you just think, well, we'll just go along with the philosophies and the, the principles and the rules of, of Scripture and go. And, and then I remember this, this, this book kind of reawakened me saying now i gotta go back after you know the, the god the, the power of god healing and and the voice of god speaking those are things that are real in the scripture and meant for my life and so it was interesting because jack there was another guy who was a, actually a, a seminary professor but he lived his life kind of just saying you know the, we just study the word get the principles and obey the rules and and everything works out uh, and then all of a sudden he was surprised by, by no actually you can hear the voice of god and actually, God wants to be actively, physically involved in our lives with things like healing. Uh, and then Robert Morris, The God I Never Knew, another great book, how, how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. It just talks about how we can befriend and actually we're, we're meant to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible talks about Him as a person. This is what it means when we talk about experiencing God, having being Spirit-empowered. It's embracing this, this understanding of the Holy Spirit, but also relationship with the Holy Spirit and experiencing walking with the Holy Spirit. Now, why is it important to be Spirit-empowered? 
John chapter 16, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. And it says, For if I do not go away, the Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So here's Jesus. And he's now, he's died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. And he's appeared back to his disciples. And the disciples are thinking, this is amazing. You know, how can, nothing can stop us now. I mean, Jesus conquered death. This is it, man. Now is the time Jesus is going to reveal his kingdom. He really is the Messiah. And he's going to kick the Romans out. And he's going to restore, you know, the, the, the Jews to our place of, of rulership on earth. We have the Messiah now. Everything's going to be good. And Jesus is saying, okay, guys, time for me to go. And they're like, what? We're just, we're, you know, we're, we're just getting on track, Jesus. And I don't know about you, but Jesus says, you know, actually, it's to your advantage that I go and you have the Holy Spirit. And I don't know, but, but you know, for me, I would say, no. Even now, today, if, if you told me, you know, I, honestly, if you said, now I could have Jesus come and join your church. He could join staff, move into your neighborhood, you know, hang out with you guys. You can live together. You can make a lot of bread and, and fish if you like it, you know. And, um, I would think, yeah, I vote for that. You know, that or have the Holy Spirit. I, you know, I got to say, I, I, I might vote for Jesus to live in Taipei. But Jesus said, it's actually better for you to have the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, is it okay if I'm a little honest? Is that the way I walk with the Holy Thank you. <laughs> the, the way that I'm experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit right now in my life is not to this level that Jesus talks about. So I know there's more. So I know that, that we as a church are not yet experiencing this. So I know there's more for us as a church. And a few weeks back, we talked about just having a hunger for more. How important that is. And so it just starts by saying, God, we just recognize that what you said, Jesus, uh, my heart doesn't desire that the way that you seem to be presenting it. And so part of our prayer for, for me as individuals and for us as a church is saying, God, we want we want. We want to know you the way and the Holy Spirit the way the Bible says. We want to experience the Holy Spirit the way that you promised him. I want the Holy Spirit in my life and in this church, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, to be so good that I would say it's, it's even better than Jesus being in Taipei. Because that's what the Bible says. And as a church, we want to be people of the word of God. We don't want to make up our own understanding of what Jesus said and our own understanding of what Christianity should look like and just based on the traditions or stuff we've been taught. We want to go back to the word. What did Jesus actually say? What did that mean he intended? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, you know, one of the reasons why it's important that we have the, the, the power of the Spirit because Jesus said it's important. It was more important than him hanging around John chapter 14, verse 25, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So another reason why it's important that we have the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is going to remind us about everything that Jesus taught. And I don't, I don't remember everything that Jesus taught the disciples. I don't remember everything that's written in the Bible that, that Jesus taught. But the Holy Spirit will help to remind us of that. And the great thing about the Holy Spirit is, is that He can be reminding you and I here, right here in Every Nation Taipei. And He can be over, you know, upstairs at Friendship Church, reminding them of what the Holy Spirit said. And He can be over, you know, at Truth Church and over at Bread of Life Church. And in their services, reminding them of what Jesus said. And throughout the week, he can be with me, talking to me about, reminding me of what I need to remember about what Jesus said and what he taught. And he can be with each of you, reminding you of what you need to remember of what Jesus taught. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the benefit of the Holy Spirit. He reminds us of everything that Jesus taught. And he teaches it to us. Because sometimes when I read what Jesus said, I don't always understand it. But Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to unpack it for you. He's going to give you an understanding of what it means. 
Because the Bible says this, that everything written in Scripture was written by human men, but with the Holy Spirit writing alongside with them. And to really understand any book, what the author intended, or what the book really means, the, the best interpretation of what the book means is always what the author intended to say through the book. Let's talk about being in New York, you know, and, and doing a lecture like this and thinking I'm so cool because I'm quoting a book, you know, and quoting an author. And then someone says, well, you know, I, 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 I spoke with the author and, and actually that's not what he meant. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, you trump me actually. Uh, you know, I, we, we can argue to a blue in the face what we think. But when the author says, actually, this is what I meant, that's always really what was intended in the book. And so if this book is written by the Holy Spirit, joint co-authoring with men, then we can't really understand this book outside of the Holy Spirit opening up saying, this is what I intended when I wrote that. John chapter 16, verses 12 to 13, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus is talking to his disciples. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And I love how when Jesus was on, was on earth, he said, hey, I'm going to show you what the Father really meant by all the things that he said. Because we wrote it and and in the Old Testament, you had these, these occasional times when God would show up. But you don't really understand what God, who God is and his heart, the heart behind what he was saying, without really spending time and walking with him. So Jesus came to earth, took on flesh, and walked with us so that we really would understand the Father. And now the Holy Spirit comes and he says, okay, now I'm going to help you understand Jesus. And it's just like layer by layer, we're, we're, we're getting a deeper, deeper understanding of who God is so that our relationship with him can deepen and that's the that's the purpose that's actually the Christian life is that we grow layer by layer in our relationship with God and on a macro historical scale we can see Old Testament God the Father revealed himself through the Bible Jesus then came and gave us a, a whole deeper understanding by putting on flesh and, and living out what the Father told us and then the Holy Spirit comes in and he says, okay, now you saw Jesus model it, but let me explain to you what was going on behind that. So we're just getting deeper and deeper understanding. And so having the Holy Spirit gives us insights into the reasons why Jesus did what he did. And I love what it also says when the Spirit comes. Jesus says, there's stuff I want to tell you guys, but you're not ready for it yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to unpack it for you. Which means the Holy Spirit reminds us of everything that Jesus told his disciples. But he also is going to come and tell us what he wanted to tell his disciples. Now some of you are going to say, whoa, wait, wait, wait. We're talking heresy. You're going to write another book. You know, we're going to come up with a whole new religion. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit will never contradict written scripture. Okay, so just, just so we're real, are we all good with that? Okay. So whatever the Holy Spirit says, if, it's, if it contradicts what's written in Scripture and the things that Jesus already told his disciples while he was here on earth, you can know that's not the Holy Spirit. All right? That's our own thoughts, our own desires, someone else's ideas. But very clearly here, Jesus said there are some things that the disciples weren't ready for yet. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you understand that. And in my mind, what that mostly means is understanding the scriptures and in ways that the disciples didn't even yet understand the scriptures. Not ever in contradiction to all that they did understand, but in a further unpacking of it. Okay, so it's just in the Bible. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just got to go back to the Word. And if, if Jesus said it, there's things I wanted to tell you, but I couldn't. Couldn't tell you now, but the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. Then that's probably true. I think it's a good place to start to just say, if the Bible says it, if Jesus said it in the Bible, it's probably true. The how, what that means to us, that's how, that's where we talk and we start and we pray and we start comparing these ideas with the scripture and say, is, is that the right, is that the right take on this scripture? Does it align with everything else that the scripture teaches? And that's how we grow as people and as a church. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, a prison 
prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in, the, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I love how it says, maintain the unity of the Spirit. So there's a unity that comes from the Spirit of God. It's not a unity that we manufacture, but it's something that the Spirit puts inside of us, but we are responsible to maintain that unity. And so the question comes, what are we doing to maintain the unity that the Spirit has already put inside of us as churches, as individuals within this church, and then with other churches? Our work is to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And, and it's interesting how we see so much of the, the, the Spirit that was meant to bring unity being a cause so often of division. That a lot of the church divides themselves over how you interpret what the Spirit of God is going to do in the church and how He's going to manifest Himself in the church. And if you think that the Holy Spirit is going to do it this way, then we can't ha have fellowship with you. We're going to be different. That's never what God intended for the Holy Spirit to be. God intended for the Holy Spirit to be a unifying factor. So if you are plugging into the Holy Spirit and find yourself more critical of other Christians and wanting to separate yourself from them, then you're probably missing the point in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you're studying the Word and find that all that you study in the Word causes you to, to, to have pride and division and think you're better than other Christians and just be more critical of other Christians and want to divide from them and condemn them, then you're probably not getting what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you from those scriptures. Because the Holy Spirit's intention is to bring unity. Is that okay? Are we all right? Good. This is the church culture we want to build. We want to build a culture that loves other churches, that loves each other, that looks for ways to find common ground, even as we are talking about and, and going through our differences. It's not that we avoid our differences, it's just that we major on our, uh, our agreements and then we work on our differences and say, so if we have a difference here, what does that mean? Does that mean that's just one of those things where God says, I'm three and I'm one, and, and we say, I'm in the three camp. No, I'm, I'm in the one camp, you know, uh, where God says, give all you have to the poor, and God says, be a good steward of what I give you. He says, I'm in the give all you, I'll have a way camp, and I'm in the, in the be a good steward, you know, and, and God is softening like that. It's God's sovereignty. God did everything, and you don't have to do anything. And it's, we have a responsibility to be faithful and, and, and to do the works of the, uh, uh, of the Spirit. And it's man's responsibility. And we, we, we love to just divide those camps. And God says, actually, I'm helping you guys learn about unity by putting two opposite things in there. And then you got to figure out how they work together. And this is so much the, the, the scripture in the body of Christ. Work on unity. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And so the last thing that the power of the Holy Spirit is there for after unity is to be witnesses. And it's interesting when it says witnesses, that word is actually um, the, the word where we get the word uh, martyr from. Anybody know what a martyr is? Martyr is someone who gets killed because of what they believe, right? And it's interesting because it started out as just being someone who, who has a message. That word martyr, the original meaning was I have a message. And then it was, it started to take on the form of if you have a message that you are committed to and willing to die for. And then it, it gradually morphed to meaning that you died for your message. But we commit ourselves to this message. Do we understand the message? Are we witnesses? Do we have such commitment to witnessing about Christ and sharing the message about Christ, what we call the gospel or the good news, why Jesus came? This is why the Holy Spirit empowers us so that we have the ability to be so committed to Christ that we're willing to lay down our lives. And maybe in Taipei, we don't need to lay down our lives. But there are thousands of people, tens of thousands every year who are actually laying down their lives for the sake of the gospel, who are actually being martyred, being killed for their beliefs in Jesus. 
And I'm not sure that, that God gives us a pass. I say, you don't have to be as committed as those guys because you lucked out and you live in Taipei. I think what God is calling is that we all would have that same commitment to the gospel. But if you're like me, that's a high bar. But that's why God gives us the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, you, you wait. Wait until you receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit working in you that gives you that kind of commitment, that kind of passion for the gospel. So how do we become Spirit-empowered? Immersion and infusion. We immerse ourselves into the Holy Spirit and we let the Holy Spirit be infused into us. The New Testament Christians were constantly saying, hey, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet? Wait till you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It's fully immersed into the Holy Spirit. And it also says, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded them, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the disciples would, said, would say, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need a full infusion of the Holy Spirit. We don't just need kind of, you know, coming into Thanksgiving time. And uh, my brother would, would always cook a bunch of turkeys. And, and you, you know, he'd start off by, by putting rubs on over the, the skin of the turkey and, you know, marinating. But then he learned how to infuse the turkey. So he'd get these, instead of just marinade that you put on top and put the turkey into, you also, you also get a big syringe and you, you, you shoot that turkey full of the marinade on the inside. That's fantastic. <laughs> you, know? you get that flavor throughout the whole turkey. And see, we're meant to be flavored by the Holy Spirit through and through. Not only immersed or baptized into the Holy Spirit, we're just, but, but also infused with the Holy Spirit to where it's just coming out of us like a sponge that's overflowing. We're to have so much of the Holy Spirit that in all of our relationships, what comes out of us is the Holy Spirit. And so interesting, when, when, when the disciples came to Jesus in Acts chapter 1, they said, and he rose from the dead, and they were celebrating. And they said, when they came together, they said, Lord, is this the time now? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And it's so interesting in the juxtaposition of all that's happening now between Israel and, and Palestine and, and, you know, occupation and terrorism. And, um, and you just see the pain that happens when people feel politically wronged or threatened. People have been trying to wipe out Israel for thousands of years. And now you have these people in, in Palestine who, who are taking offense and feeling like they're the oppressed. And they have that same kind of feeling in the Jews here. Saying thousands of years, Jesus, it's time for deliverance for us. It's time we, we need, the, we, we, we need uh, our, our nation we need to kick out the oppressors. And here's what Jesus said. He, he, he just totally ignored their question. And just said, let's see, here we go. He said, here's what, guys. Here's what he actually just told them. Hey, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And they said, well, well, but what about all this oppression? What about the politics and all that? And he said, this goes back to, you need to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Because the freedom's going to come to you personally first. You're going to experience inside of you freedom from oppression. You're going to experience inside of you a change of heart. And from there, then everything else will change. But it begins, what's more important is what happens on the inside. And we love to look at the circumstances. We're always asking God, God, will you change my circumstances now? Will you change this circumstance? Will you change that person? Will you change my bank account? Will you change my job? Will you change my, my parents or my boss? And God is saying, actually, what you need is the power of the Holy Spirit to change you. Because from that, then, everything else will change. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. So then Jesus left. And the disciples are there like, okay, what now? 
and, and they're looking up to heaven. Is, are you going to come back? You can take us with you. Jesus is going up. We're kind of, what, what's next? And the angel said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking to heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you see him go into heaven. And what they're basically saying is, you know, get with what Jesus said to go and do. Go and get empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everything else flows from that. Infusion and, and immersion. Separation. For you are called to be to freedom, brothers. Only do what uh, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And we just take that from the Holy Spirit. It, the word holy, when it says Holy Spirit, holy means set apart. There's a separation in our lives. The junk that we do, the Holy Spirit is there to help us separate from. And, and, and you know, if you're like me, I, I look at my life and I think, okay, great, you know, all these, all these things that Jesus did and the power of the Holy Spirit, but I can hardly overcome my own bad attitudes and my own addictions. And I look at the sin in my life and I can hardly get set free from that, much less be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go be a witness. Hard to want to tell anybody else about Jesus. I'm having trouble just following Jesus in my own life. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So that it's not just us by our flesh trying to be good and trying to keep all the rules. Trying to do what Jesus said in our own power. But rather through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing is, is, is trust, what the Bible calls faith. I want to just tell a, close with a, with a story about what that looks like, what trust in the Holy Spirit looks like. When I was in, um, living in New York City, I moved there in 2004 and uh, was pastoring there. In 2005, um, there was an event in New York City. Billy Graham, if you've ever heard of Billy Graham's, probably the, the greatest witness in our generation, probably his shared the gospel, preached the gospel to more than anybody else, uh, else on earth. They estimate that he's preached the gospel to uh, uh, over 2 billion people. Um, and he's seen, personally seen over 3 million people come to Christ uh, in, in, in his crusades. Um, but this was the last crusade before he died. And so before he retired from doing crusades and preaching the gospel uh, publicly like that, uh, and he, he chose to have it in New York City. And so I was able to go and we, we volunteered. We, we were praying uh, for the crusade and we helped volunteer to uh, work on uh, with both those who wanted to respond to Jesus. And it was amazing. Um, this is a, a picture of that last crusade. I think I'm one of the heads there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, out in Queens, Corona Park. Uh, and and it, here's a, an area of you. You just see just, you know, overflow Part, part after overflow is just a huge mass of people coming there uh, for his last um, crusade. And, uh, and just what an amazing man of God, I mean, to, to have preached the gospel to over 2 billion people uh, and to have seen over 3 million people come to Christ. It's a pretty amazing witness. Um, I remember um, Billy Graham, but, but he wasn't always that kind of a preacher. In fact, there was a moment early in his ministry where he was about to give up. He had a pretty bad crusade in Pennsylvania that didn't go well. And so he actually went out to California. He, he was, had scheduled, a, a, it was 1949, and he had scheduled another crusade. But he was, he was still debating whether or not to have the crusade because he was just having a crisis of faith. One of his close friends, who was also a preacher at that time, an evangelist, actually people considered him much more effective than Billy Graham, much more eloquent, uh, Charles Templeton, had had gone to uh, Princeton University and gotten his uh, theological degree from Princeton and had actually ended up leaving the faith and rejecting God uh, and and saying you know just you, he's saying the modern mind and and religion believing God don't go together and so he was challenging because he was friends with Billy Graham challenging him and Billy Graham was like oh, how do I how do I you know modern science and all this with 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 religion and so and, and then my my ministry looks like it's failing and I'm wondering what you know and then the the he was ahead of a, a, a Bible college and in order for that Bible college to get accredited he had to go and get a, a higher degree an advanced degree and he's like I don't want to go do I do I choose that do I 
do I just go back to farming? He thought about just quitting it all and being like a farmer like his dad. He said, I don't want to be like Charles Templeton. Um, and so he was going through all this. And then he went, uh, the woman, Henrietta Mears, if you've never read about Henrietta Mears, amazing woman of God, but she invited him to come speak at a camp. And so he's speaking at this camp while he's going through all this, these, all this turmoil. Uh, and, and at night, he just walks out. He's just, he says, I'm just, I just need to find God. So he's taking a walk through the forest in the middle of the night and he finds his tree stump and he just puts his Bible on it and he kneels behind and says, okay, God, I, what, what do I do with all of this? And he just wrestled with God through the night. And in the middle of the night, he says, I just felt the Holy Spirit come and visit me. And I felt this fire come upon me. And I made this decision that even if I don't understand it, the Holy Spirit's too, too real. God has done too much for me that I could never deny it. And I'm just going to choose to, to, to trust that everything God says is true and that it's more important that I connect with the Holy Spirit and have that relationship with God than, I, than that I understand everything about God. And Henry Ramirez talks about how he came out the, the next day and, and had a whole different boldness on him when he taught at that camp. And they went through with this revival. And this revival was scheduled for uh, three weeks and it ended up going eight weeks because they had a tent for 6,000 people and they flooded that, filled that tent to overflowing. And from there, his ministry just took off. From there, a few years later, he came back to, to, to New York City and um, preached in Madison Square Garden to sell out crowds originally for six weeks ended up going 16 weeks with overfull crowds every night people coming to hear him and i love this madison square garden because this where this location is is not there it's not the where the current madison square garden is it's actually in a place where uh, bertina was a part of we actually uh, birthed our youth group where madison square where, where this took place because now it's a now it's like a big office building with a big old plaza there and so on that plaza uh, Bertina and others would go out and just start sharing with high school students and I can remember walking by and they're doing apologetic seminars just kids sitting there in rows listening out in the, out in the plaza listening to the gospel and saying you know what Billy Graham did all those years ago continues in this place and when it got too full they went to to Yankee Stadium and they packed out Yankee Stadium to where they had to have overflow crowds outside of Yankee Stadium and then the the last night he he held a meeting in Times Square and they packed out Times Square. The Times Square was just filled with people wanting to hear the gospel. And Billy Graham's ministry just kept going and going and going. And he didn't become more eloquent, but he became more anointed with the Holy Spirit and more bold in what he said. Billy Graham's never been an eloquent speaker, but he's always been a convinced speaker. And this is what he said. It's actually one of the sermons that he preached at that L.A. crusade called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1949. He said this, The very fact that we believe one thing and some of us another does not do away with the fact that God says be filled with the Spirit. And I can say that that's so like the church now. Some people believe this about the Holy Spirit. Others believe that about the Holy Spirit. And Billy Graham says, you know, it doesn't matter that people disagree in what they believe about the Holy Spirit. What matters is that God said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the greatest need, this is Billy Graham says in 1949, I believe that, the, that, that, that that is the greatest need of the church of Jesus Christ today. Everywhere I go, God's people are hungry for something. Many of us say that our Christian experience is not at all uh, that we expected. We have off-recurring defeat in our lives. And as a result, across the country from coast to coast, there are hundreds of, hundreds of Christian people hungry for something that we do not have. I am persuaded that our desperate need tonight is not a new organization, a new movement, or even a new method. We have enough of these. I believe the greatest need tonight is that men and women who profess the name of Jesus Christ be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are trying to do the work of God without the supernatural power of God. It cannot be done. Church, I believe that's what we need. When God told us to go and preach the gospel to every creature and to evangelize the world, He provided supernatural power of us. That power is given to us by the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham, 1949.
but I believe his words are still applicable to us today. That what we need is the Holy Spirit. Now you might think, I know God and the Father I'm okay with and, or I'm okay with Jesus and how do I distinguish between the three? You don't have to worry, they're not in competition. They won't get confused. It's kind of like my mom. We had six kids, and six kids in my family, five boys, and my mom would call us all by each other's names. But we always knew who she was talking to. You know, it's me, I know, even though you use my brother's name. And that's the way God is. He, he knows. But what we do is we need to be infused and immersed with more of God. We need to hunger for more of His Holy Spirit. We need to walk in step. We need to live by the Holy Spirit and walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And so today, I just want to close with, with that as a simple prayer. To say, Holy Spirit, teach us to have more of you so that you can remind us of all the things that Jesus said. And you can even teach us about the things that he wanted to say. Would you stand with me? Just going to say a simple prayer and invite you all to just agree with me. Heavenly Father, we are, are so grateful for the gift of Jesus who died for our sins, gave his life for us, but also lived and modeled for us the life that you intended that we would live. A life in union, union with you. And Jesus, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit who's ever with us, who reminds us of all that you said and who unpacks and teaches us of what you intended through your words, who empowers us to live the life that you call us to live, who infuses us and transforms our hearts and our minds. And today we just say, Holy Spirit, we want more of you. We want to be filled with you. We want to walk with you. Father, may we as a church become a church that, that is Spirit-empowered, full of the Holy Spirit. And as the Scripture says, be a church that has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Father, our prayer is that many would come to know you as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.